Hello, and welcome to Nostalgia Arcana. I'm your host, Doug Leaf. Each episode of this podcast, we'll look back on the movies, TV, games, people, and phenomena that we still love talking about all these years later, and ask ourselves why these bits of pop culture still enchant us today. This week, we'll be revisiting... Bagpipes and Karsmi Kilts. We're going to Duckburg to talk about DuckTales, a cartoon that it's it was just a huge part of, of our generation. And uh, I, as a, a way of explaining just how big this was, I've had multiple people tell me they wanted to come on this show to talk about DuckTales specifically. But uh, that honor goes to the second richest duck in the world, uh, my buddy, <laughs> who is a... Uh, uh, you can uh, find his improv at the West, uh, West Side Comedy Theater here in L.A., uh, and you can find his coaching at Rich Baker Coaching. Uh, please welcome back to the show our perennial and favorite guest, Rich Baker. Blather and blather, Skites! Uh, <laughs> I'm honored. Uh, I'm sure there Yeah, a lot of people would be uh, fighting to get this one when I, I've mentioned it to a few people I've been watching DuckTales because of this and they're like oh man I can't wait for that episode like this if you were a certain age at a certain time DuckTales was a it was unavoidable on your radar yeah I, uh, there's only one person I know that like DuckTales is a blind spot for this person and that is my wife and I don't know why um for some reason like there's a lot of like pop culture stuff that like seemed very ubiquitous and she's just like, yeah, whatever. Uh, didn't watch it. <laughs> and I was like, but it was DuckTales. Everybody watched DuckTales. Um, yeah. Yeah. But uh, so, so tell me why you wanted to do this. I mean, there's, there's a reason everybody wanted to talk about DuckTales on this show. It meant so much. I mean, and doing the research on, on this episode, I learned a lot of things that kind of made sense as to why it was. But like, you know, of all the cartoons that I was a fan of, I would say right, this was like right underneath Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles for me. I mean, it was such a big thing, but I was shocked to learn that it was only on the air for like three seasons because like it felt like such a big part of my childhood, but it just happened to be those, you know, the three seasons at that age to where, you know, life was a lot slower and everything felt bigger. And um, I mean, this... I, I'll, I'll tell you, what, the, the main reason I would say that this, uh, uh, or one of like the cherry on top of the Sunday of why I love this thing is because it was the first time I could ever do an impression of any other person. And it was, I learned how to like do voices by voicing DuckTales characters, starting with Scrooge. Was Scrooge the character you were, you were trying to imitate? 
at first, absolutely. And then eventually I'd, I'd do some of the others. But Scrooge was always like, and I would still say that Scrooge McDuck Scottish or my version of it is my like best accent. Yeah. And he's not even uh, Scottish. Yeah, uh, right. I was shocked to learn. In fact, he slipped past us on an earlier episode. I forgot to mention because we did that episode on Batman mm-hmm. and we talked about a particular uh, animated series episode called Baby Doll. Yeah. Which is which is about this uh, uh, former sitcom actress who's trying to get revenge on her co-stars. One of her co-stars is voiced by Alan Young. He plays the patriarch of that sitcom family, but he's doing an American accent, so you you don't notice it's him. I found that out later, but wow. yeah, Alan Young voiced Scrooge McDuck for many many years. I mean, once you're kind of on as a Disney voice, he was not just voicing him in Ducktales; he voiced him in a lot of stuff. Nikki's Christmas Carol comes to mind, sure. but yeah. So, so tell me more about your emotional connection to to Ducktales. I, I also, you know, as people listen to the show know, uh, I love doing voices. Although the Ducktales was not one that I tried to cut my impressionist teeth on, um, but yeah, I want to hear about your experience. You know, it was on. Uh, I assume same for you. It was you know the Disney afternoon. Uh, and you know, gummy bears was fine. I could take it or leave it. Uh, I don't remember what was on before that. I remember what came on after DuckTales eventually, but, uh, I don't really remember before, but DuckTales was the first show that I was like, would race home to make sure like school was out. I had to get home because I had to watch DuckTales. Like it was every weekday little delight. And if I missed it, I was angered. (laughs) Yeah. The gummy bears cartoon was it was kind of like a test balloon for what became the Disney afternoon, which was anchored by DuckTales' yeah. monster success. Then you got Chippendale's Rescue Rangers, Tailspin, Goof Troop, Darkwing Duck. Sure. Um, yeah. and, a few, and a few others towards the end. But yeah, DuckTales dominated. Even after they stopped making new episodes, uh, it was still there in reruns as part of the Disney afternoon because everybody just loved it so much. Yeah, and uh, you know, I've I've been rewatching some episodes like you have, uh, and I I gotta tell you, I get it. I get it wasn't just like a nine year old me or you know eight year old whatever age I was like liking it as a kid show. Like I'm rewatching it as an adult, and I'm like, there's some really good writing here. There's really good animation, particularly given the time uh, that it was out. You know, the the voice acting, even though there weren't that many famous people involved in it, it the voice acting was just really really well done. Yeah, you have a, a couple of voices in there who we, I mean, we, we touched on Alan Young. You've got Rusie Taylor doing Huey, Dewey, and Louie. And she also was the voice of Minnie Mouse for many, many years. I think she passed maybe two years ago now, very, fairly mm. recently. But yeah, again, just a, a major voice actor. I think you have June Foray in the mix, as you often do. June Foray is another legendary female voice actor who uh, probably best known for being Rocky the Flying Squirrel. Yeah. But, God, if you if you ever hear a female voice in a Looney Tunes cartoon when it's actually not Mel Blanc, it's her. Yeah. Um, she, you, you, uh, she, uh, one maybe younger listeners would know, she is the grandmother in Mulan. Oh. That's her. And once you hear that voice, you, you'll know it every time you hear it. It's very recognizable. But, she yeah, she's in there. Just a wonderful, very, like, memorable cast. And I think my favorite was still probably was still Launchpad, and I just blinked on the actor's name, um, Terry McGovern. Terry McGovern. Yeah, I was just going to say that of all the voices, for some reason, Launchpad's, like, had this real um, 
comedic timing to it that was a different flavor than all the other characters, but just really stood out. And I'm sure part of it is that I also would watch him later in, uh, you know, the same uh, voice actor in Darkwing Duck. So I had a longer stint with Launchpad than all the others. You know, Mr. McDee, I've helped you look for everything from lost mines to rare animals. But this fountain of youth thing makes me, I don't know, uneasy. I'd hate being a little kid again. Because you had an unhappy childhood? Nah, because none of my clothes would fit anymore. Yeah, I I loved him. Um, do you have a character uh, that is your favorite out of all of them? It's Gizmo Duck. Gizmo. 100%. Okay. Yeah. So for for younger audiences who may not know, Gizmo Duck, he is uh, by day he is Fenton Crackshell. He is <laughs> Scrooge McDuck's accountant, and uh, he comes into possession of this robotic exosuit that if he says the words you said before blather and blatherskite the, the suit will assemble around him and he becomes superhero gizmo duck yeah and there was something about the way he was drawn i mean he's literally like a triangle with a wheel on the bottom you know and all these he was he reminded me of of course iron man and inspector Robo. gadget robocop hundred percent yeah and all these things all these different things that i love like melded in to a show i already loved and i was like oh this is just great next mr mcduck you just gotta give me the job nobody balances a checkbook like i do watch well what do you think what do you say mr mcduck have you given it any thought shoot <laughs> okay, I give up. Tell me your qualifications, lad. Where did you go to school? School? Schools are for fish. Me, I'm a fish out of water. But I'll work for scales. In fact, I'm strictly upscale. And speaking of up, uh, that's where I'm headed, and that's no elevator talk. In other words, no qualifications. Bingo! Next. Well, yeah, I was about to say we should mention what the premise of DuckTales is, but it almost doesn't have a premise because it is just the the continuing adventures of Scrooge McDuck, his, yeah. the richest duck in the world, and his three nephews, Huey, Dewey, and Louie, are great nephews that live with him um, and a small cast of characters. But every week, their adventures would kind of jump from genre to genre yeah. in a lot of ways so that, you know, I think the prevailing one, the prevailing tone was like Indiana Jones going to look, hunt for treasures, but there was also sci-fi stuff happening all the time, comic book type stuff happening all the time, noir things happening. And that probably goes back to the series' roots in the comics. Yeah, which I, you know, <laughs> I'm just so ignorant, I guess, of old school Disney because I had no idea this was based on the comic. And so like doing the research, I was like, it, the thing I found most fa fascinating, I'm sure you, you were planning to talk about this too, is the idea that the, the comics influenced uh, Indiana Jones, which Indiana Jones then influenced DuckTales. <laughs> and it was like, so cool. Yeah. But there were even whole arcs in that comic that they strip mined mm -hmm. to make uh, into the show. So for example, there's, I think it might be a two-parter that tells sort of Scrooge's biography of you know being young in Scotland and coming to America to go to the Klondike Gold Rush, yeah. um, th that whole story is lifted wholesale out of a, a run out of old Ducktales comics. I love. Hey, if you got good stories, 
So you didn't read any of the comics before or anything? Oh, no, I never read any of these things. I didn't even know that there were you know, Scrooge McDuck comics Same. until much later, you know, much, much later in life. I was yeah. way too old for them. Yeah, yeah, I had no idea. But, but uh, yeah, go ahead. Well, I was just saying, yeah, the adventure of the week thing is good. and But I, I think the thing that really, you know, <laughs> it sounds cheesy here, but it is 100% true it's Disney and it works, is this show wouldn't work if it was just adventures without this, like, we're a family kind of always tying into everything. Like, that was the glue that really held it together is that he cared about his nephews. He cared about, you know, uh, Duckworth, his housekeeper, Webigail, all you know, anyone who was in his circle, like, was family. You know, I think you're right. I think that is a major ingredient as to why it works because there's there is a lot of warmth to yeah. this character of this characterization of Scrooge and and the the kids. Like you can see, he really cares about them and their safety, which he's constantly imperiling. Yeah. Um, but <laughs> nevertheless, he does care, and he he's the only like good billionaire in fiction. Yeah, right? or gajillionaire, whatever they say he is. Yeah, they give some comical amount of money that that he has. Um, it's sort of this '80s ideal of like you could be, you know, this rich and not be an Elon Musk level shitbag. Yeah, <laughs> like he, he, because like his only negative quality is kind of that they sometimes portray him as being sort of um, miserly, right? He's cheap. Yeah, and they sort of that might be part of why he's so rich is that he, he's very cheap. He surrounds himself with people that you would think he could afford a better pilot than Launchpad. He can sure he can afford a better accountant than Fenton Crackshell. Absolutely, um, but there, but uh, that wouldn't fit the tone. I think his he is a very like kind billionaire in a way that just is tells you it's a fantasy. Well, and he earns it too, right? Because like literally in that pilot, it starts out with him kind of not wanting to take his nephews and not wanting to be part of this family, wanting to be alone. Donald. You can't be serious about this crazy idea. There's no profit in it. But I've already invested on the Scrooge. I'm going to see the world. So I'll buy you a globe. I gotta go. Take care of my nephews. What have I done to deserve being saddled with these uh, uh, juveniles? You're the only one I trust the best, Scrooge. Lucky me. Lucky us. <sighs> well, I suppose we should head for home. All right. I'll get a taxi. Oh, no need for that. It's only a brisk three-mile walk. And after that, we'll have a nutritious lunch of cheese. And like, there's even a, a scene in that first episode where a reporter's like asking him, "What do you like that's more than money? Like family?" And he's like, "Well, family's a bit overrated, you know, or whatever." And it's when he kind of comes to that conclusion of like the family is important and that sticks with it. To me, I don't know. As a kid, I think that really hit. And even rewatching as an adult, I'm I got a little teary eyed and choked up about it. I think some of my favorite shows growing up um, have that kind of earnestness to them. And this is a very, I'm going about to, to name check a very, very different show, <laughs> but I think Star Trek The Next Generation, Ooh. which you look at the that crew under Picard, Picard in a way has a lot of the qualities that Scrooge has. He's like, he seems a little cold at first, but he's also like actually very warm and wise yeah. and cares a lot about this crew and the crew of, of the Enterprise and the you know the our cast of heroes in Ducktales 
are like they're really sort of playing at the top of their intelligence. They're they're you know they have their personality quirks, but they're not like character flaws. And so it's really fun to watch a team of different people work, you know, kind of come together and and work towards a shared goal in a way that's not cynical or is not like weighed down by personal trauma and stuff. And so I think like I feel like I learned or absorbed a lot about kind of right and wrong from Picard and from Scrooge McDuck, like the way they approach problem solving and and uh, and the challenges they face. Yeah, absolutely. Also, kind of reminds me of uh, of uh, Firefly a little bit. How that crew had that same kind of kind of deal going. On. It's it's just a good trope, and any writer who can take it and do well with it, I'm always gonna give them a chance. Yeah, I think a lot of shows now do this thing where it's like we're gonna have all of these characters succeed in spite of themselves. You know, because they're all weighed, you know, we want to make them like flawed and relatable, right? Yeah. And there there's some merit to that idea, but sometimes what you get is this like, Jesus Christ, none of these people can get it together. <laughs> like I mean, could you imagine a functioning like workplace where everyone was like this fucked up all the time? Yeah, yeah. You know, <laughs> yeah, like, right. Do you don't like when you go to work, you don't encounter this many fucked up people. Like they're you know, they're all professionals and they're trying hard. And I like watching, you know, even though these are like, you know, partially you know, some of the crew are like, you know, children, it's Webigale, you know, sure. but they're, they're trying and they, and they mean well. And so it's fun to watch them like outsmart the Beagle Boys or Magicka Dispel or the, the yeah. villain of the week. But, so I do want to talk about the, uh, the villains in a bit, but uh, let's stick with the heroes team for a bit. Well, like, who's your favorite character? Do you have one? Oh man, probably Launchpad. Uh, I I just th- thought it was really funny. Other than you know rooting for Scrooge, but I I did like Launchpad uh, sure. because another one who's just like I oh, can't help but love this guy. Yeah, you know he just he's so sweet and he tries so hard, and it's very kind of just uh, they, they really get a lot of mi- more mileage than you would expect out of the fact that like he just crashes every vehicle he, com- he comes into contact with. Uh, it's, you know, can do Mr. McD. Like he, the, <laughs> he gets right back up and does it again. You know, that's a good, that's, that's nice. Well done. That's, that's the one I got. I think is, uh, I, I think my lunch pad's not too bad. Nice. He's yeah. uh, very similar to uh Hey there, Ralphie boy kind of. Like, yeah. You know. He does have a little Ed Norton to him. Yeah. Or not Ed Norton. Ralph, that's uh, what it is. Yeah. Yeah. It is Ed Norton. Yeah. <laughs> nice. Which is Barney Rubble, sort of the same voice. <laughs> yeah. Bernie, uh, let's get stay back on track. Um, so yeah, yeah, Launchpad was probably my favorite out of the heroes. Uh, I have yeah. a soft spot for Webby because I feel like they she's constantly kind of getting the short end of the stick. Yeah, which I thought they did a really nice job of in the reboot series from 2017 of like flipping that on its script and making her more like the hero leader type. I thought that was really really fun. Yeah, I think you almost have to. If you're going to reboot it and like, what do we change? I think that's a natural choice to say like, oh, let's make Webby a badass. Yeah. You know, I just, I just, I always felt a little bad for her because I felt like Huey, Huey, and Louie were a little mean to her. Um, yeah, absolutely. You know. Our chance to see real dinosaurs and we're stuck here. Let's go anyway. But Uncle Scrooge said, ah, he'll change his mind once we're there. Let's hide in here. Me, 
and I could relate to that. And this felt like as a kid, I was like, yeah, this is boys and girls on the playground giving each other grief. Sure. But yeah, going back to him, like, oh, I wish they were a little nicer to her. She's on the team, you know, she's part of the family. Yeah. Of course, there was also um, uh, the butler who uh, his Ducksworth. Uh, Ducksworth, thank you. I couldn't think of his name, but um, uh, he's he's not a duck. He's a beagle character. Like there's there's dog characters and duck characters and random pig characters sometimes, right? But he's Duckworth, who's a, a, a dog, and I never quite understood that. But yeah, he he fits that mold that like you know Alfred fits on Batman, yeah. and he he does it well. Like he you know he's also like he's kind of handy in a pinch when you don't yeah. expect him to be. They they all kind of do come through when you need them to. Like, there's not really a weak link in the chain, even though they might appear to be. Um, thankfully, they're they're always kind of they're going to triumph over the bad guys. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, let's talk about some of the bad guys because yeah. uh, there's some good one. This is a good rogues gallery. It is. Yeah. I mean, I think you got to start with the Beagle Boys. They're probably my least favorite. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> of, of the, I mean, you're right. I mean, they use them a lot, but like. Th- Maybe because it's because Burger Beagle's voice is a little annoying. Yeah, but I, I did like Ma Beagle. Ma Beagle's June Foray. There, there, there. She is. She was our. I was fine with her. It felt a lot like the Fratellis from the Goonies. You know, similar yeah. uh, dynamic. Ma Beagle, Mother of the Year. <laughs> Sounds almost as good as Ma Beagle, Public Enemy Number One. Oh, I got him in that contest. Let's see. What would a good mother do to impress the contest judges? I know! I'll bake my boys a cake. Your mother sent you a cake, boys. Give it here! Don't drop her! I know you guys too well. There's probably a hacksaw on this cake. That's why I've installed this new x-ray machine. Hmm, that's funny. There's nothing inside it. Nothing inside it? Mom must have messed up the recipe. I'll never forgive her. I'll never forgive myself if I don't eat it. Oh, my stomach. Uh, what's the matter, Burger? That was the worst cake Ma ever made. Worst cake nothing? That's Ma's Hickleberry Hiccup Surprise. Grab him by the feet, Bouncer. Now put his head against the floor and hang on! Well, and I, I didn't realize that she was based on, like, a real uh, Prohibition-era gangster, uh, Ma Barker and the boys. I did not know that as a kid, obviously. Yeah, and I feel like probably young kids reading the comics in the early, you know, certainly back in, like, the 50s, yeah, you know when those comics were coming, they would have might have recognized that name. Yeah, since it was more contemporary for sure, uh, and it gives this is their you know their crime family. This is their chance when they want to do more, you know, again like cops and robbers type stuff. That's when you bring in the Beagle Boys. Yeah, they're a lot. They're, they're the goons sometimes for the other rogues. That's true. Like Flintheart Glomgold will hire them to do sure stuff. or Magica or yeah, a lot of them. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so yeah, Flintheart is. Uh, I don't know if he's my favorite, but he's up there. I, I like Flintheart Gomgold because it is such a weird thing that he is the second richest duck in the world. Right? Can you imagine being the second richest person in the world and not being <laughs> satisfied with that? Yeah, right. Well, Flintheart, working together wasn't so bad, was it? Lucky for you, my robots weren't damaged. Uh, sorry, Mr. Globgold. 
but the mayor ordered me to have your robots dismantled permanently. What? Oh, and here's the bill for the damages your robots did to the city. I have to rebuild half the city and I can't use my robots. McDuck Construction Company will be glad to do it for you. How much will that cost? How much you got? Scrooge McDuck, you're a low-down, ruthless rat. What can I say, Flintheart? You bring out the best in me. <laughs> he is such a dick. And I love, they always find ways to, like, kind of put them at odds where sometimes he's, like, literally trying to, like, I'm going to steal all the Scrooge's money. And other times it's it's just more of, like, this, like, healthy, like, um, almost sporting competition between them. Yeah. Because that's, you know, they're always trying to be number one and number two, which I don't know if this had anything to do with it, but I remember hearing about the Beach Boys-Beatles rivalry of, like, they're always trying to outdo each other. And, and uh, you know, I'm sure there's been plenty of others like that. Of like that's He was a bad guy in that he would cheat a little bit more. But to be fair, when he lost a bet, he did what he said he was going to do. You know, he ate right, his he, hat. I was just going to say, he eats his hat when he has yeah. to. I love the design on him. To like, it's very. I mean, it's sort of the same design as Scrooge without the the beard, yeah. but you know, palette swapped. But I always liked it. Whenever he showed up, I always knew it was going to be kind of a fun episode, just because this like cranky old Scotsman was always entertaining to watch. <laughs> yeah, you've you mentioned Magica a few times. Why, She's great. Talk about her. Yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, she might be my favorite of the Rose Gallery. Um, and what I found interesting, which you probably saw this in your research too, is that. Uh, when she was originally created, you know, witches were always portrayed as ugly and hideous and with warts and all this. And she was drawn kind of like a sexy, you know, like sexy witch. And that was as much uh, as a cartoon duck can be sexy. Yeah. Well, yeah, exactly. Which right? is a lot. <laughs> <laughs> Look, I have no problem saying that I dig goth girls and she was probably one of my forays into as like, hmm, who that? But uh, uh, yeah, yeah, like I like this idea that she's this sultry, you know, she's got that low raspy voice kind of thing going on. She's not your typical like <laughs> witch kind of thing. <laughs> Oh, there you are, following me as usual. Miss me. Like I am missing a hole in the head. That spell won't work on me, Magica. I've lived my whole life in your shadow. But I am my own master now, and free to pursue my own evil interests. Poppycock, there is only room in this world for one Magica to spell. Thank goodness. Black as night, trick of light, it's time you did retire! Disappear into the night, shadow of mine, expire! Again, June Foray doing that voice. And she's also got that raven with her who's like her lover? Or transformed? I forget what his deal is. Uh, Yeah, she's got this talking bird. And she's the one who spends most of her time trying to get Scrooge's number one dime. Yeah. The first dime he ever made. Mm-hmm. And so he, he holds on to it. There's a lot of episodes where people are trying to steal this dime. Particularly Magicka, though, because she believes it confers some kind of power or she can use it for something. Uh, yeah. But it's a good MacGuffin. 
Yeah, and you know they. I don't think, uh, at least not that I can remember. I didn't rewatch all the episodes, but I don't remember them actually, you know, showing it have real magical power. But as far as Scrooge is concerned, you know, it it's the thing that matters more than anything else. Is if you lose this time, you lose trillions of dollars. You know, it's all worthless. Yeah, I seem to recall there was a a memorable episode involving Magicka where we are transported to the future. Mm. And uh, it, it's a it's a like a dystopian future where Magica has acquired the dime, and Huey, Dewey, and Louie are like corporate uh, American psychotypes. Yeah. And uh, it's it was really interesting that you know again yeah you're right it has no magical abilities to Scrooge, but they always portrayed it like but if she gets her hand on it she can do something with it. Similar to the money bin that they're uh, throwing. Whenever you see Scrooge swimming in his pile of coins. Uh, that's his. That's where he keeps all his money. Just this giant rectangle uh, in the middle of Duckburg, which is a magnet for all the criminals. I wanted to swim in coins so badly, as I'm sure every you know kid did. Want. It's like, what would it be like? And I love that the joke was that he was the only one who actually could do it. I think the nephews do from time to time. That he lets them in there. Well, yeah, they, maybe later, but in the first series, the first little uh, five episodes, there's a point where they try and do it, and they, like, just hit it like it's a ground. And, like, how does he do that? <laughs> yeah, there's a family guy cutaway joke, I think, where they have Peter, like, jump into the money bin and, like, you know, snap his neck, which is what would actually happen. <laughs> he jumped on a pile of copper. But, yeah. Um, yeah, it's, it's just a great iconic part of the show. I remember there were episodes where, like, the bad guys tried to like put it on some giant movable thing and like transport the money bin to somewhere else. Sure. Um, it's been, I'm sure like probably miniaturized. Yep. It's been shrunk. Yep. <laughs> yep. So again, like that, there's a lot of iconography of the show, right? We've been throwing out catchphrases and talking about different, like the dime, this one. Um, there's so many things about this show that are just stand out and memorable. Oh yeah. Uh, do you have a favorite? Um, you know, I I, uh, I don't know. If it's, a, it's definitely one that stuck out in my memory, and I it was one of the shows that I rewatched with the uh, the idea of gold fever, where um, it's an actual sickness, and they like, get hiccups, and they get chills, and they get all these things. And uh, watching Scrooge and the main antagonist from those first few episodes uh, go through this gold fever kind of uh, thing, I don't know. I thought it was really uh, a lot of fun, and you know, it made me kind of think about greed in a very in a, in a, in a way that a, a nine-year-old probably wouldn't have thought of otherwise this is a real pleasure of the golden sons what was that there's more gold down here than in all the world no it's my gold my my I won't have you tainting a single drop of my gold! No! I got Scrooge! I found the missing maps. I tracked this valley down. This gold is mine. You are wrong, senor. This, says the gold, is mine. You want gold? Here! Ah! Yeah, we should, we should talk about that first five episodes, which is, it's sort of, it's really just one story arc split into five. Yeah. And it involves, you know, the again, you know, Donald is going off into the Navy, 
because he wears that sailor suit for a reason. <laughs> and he's dropping the the nephews with Scrooge. And they stumble into this Indiana Jones-style quest revolving around these South American coins, the myth of El Dorado. See our earlier episode on a series series of gold. Anyway, um, <laughs> and yeah, like the, they are the they're up against the Beagle Boys and this like four hundred year old conquistador named El Capitan. Yeah, who I think is voiced by Jim Cummings, if I'm not mistaken, mm. another uh, veteran voice actor, um, uh, best known for being Darkwing Duck, uh, among yeah. other things. But yeah, that did the gold, senor. Like yeah. that that whole arc nailed it. Yeah, that whole arc. It's it's very um. You know what it reminds me of? Uh, did you ever read any Adventures of Tintin comics? Mm-hmm. Adventures of Tintin is a lot like this, especially what you would consider the Ducktales comics to be. It's you know him and these characters going off on these globe trotting treasure hunting adventures. Yeah, and the tone of it is very similar to what we get in this first five episodes of Ducktales, centered around again again finding this mythical city of gold. Yeah, I, uh, yeah, there was just something about like uh, the way they strung those together. And, uh, you know, as again, that was the point where he was, he had to choose goal, his love of gold over his love of family. And he chose, you know, Scrooge McDuck chose family and El Capitan chose the gold and probably perished with it, at least as far as we, we could tell. Yeah. Uh, I, I really liked this arc. It, it kind of, has all of the ingredients you need for DuckTales. It's like as a template for what the show should be, those five episodes together are like, that. yeah, watch that. Now it doesn't Absolutely. have, I don't remember if it has Gyro gear loose or not. It does there. not. Okay. So we need to talk about Gyro because he's another fun part of the show. He's, he's, uh, he's Q, right? He's the guy who yep. makes all the gadgets and uh, more bumbling than Q. <laughs> Way more bumbling than Q. You know, again, yet another in a long line of wacky 80s inventors. Yeah. (laughs) Which I guess is just like, I don't know. Like, we talked about the one from Gremlins. We've talked about others. Like, people just wanted to make these weird This was the thing. Like, you could go in your garage and you'd tinker around and you'd invent, you know, you'd be Wayne Zielinski inventing a shrink ray. (laughs) Um, And and that's what Jairo is. Every episode he comes up with, you know, some new device. And by and large, that is going to be a crisis on which the episode turns. Oh, yeah. Oh, Gyro. Hi, Mr. McDuck. Why, Mr. McDuck, is something wrong? Why, whatever gave you that idea? communication satellites and electric power stations. He can operate anything powered by electricity using his own remote control. No tin-plated, battery-operated dictator is going to stop me. Nothing can stop him. Yeah, the construction bots wind up getting, you know, stealing the money bin, and yeah. And he's also the one who created uh, Gizmoduck. 
Right. He creates Gizmo Duck. I remember there's that episode where they go back in time to mm-hmm. the medieval period and because he wants to be a knight. And so he starts in but he starts inventing like better ways to joust. Like yeah. puts a, a wheel on the uh the spear. Yeah. Stuff like that. Uh I love his voice. Like and he is like his design is so cool. He's so he's awkwardly like gangly. Yeah. And uh just sort of but again, still very sweet and well meaning. I like I, I always liked him. Yeah, he's a great one. Um of course we gotta talk about Bubba. Yeah, we didn't mention Bubba Duck yet. Yeah, yeah, the cave duck. Caveman fever was sweeping the nation back then. Yeah. Uh, I feel like this was a thing. Like, I remember that show, like, Denver, the last dinosaur. Like, there was something about, like, yeah, cavemen were ascendant. Yet Encino Man was kind of around sure. this time, I think. Yeah. Um, yeah, they go back in time and they discover this, I guess, orphaned cave duck and they bring him back into the present. Well, there must be something you like. Guns! And he winds up, you know, being like a like a fan favorite in a lot of ways, and and he's and he's not in every episode after that, but he's he def, he makes his his appearances. Yeah, he, he's another one that's like um, like Gizmo Duck, like he kind of just drops in every once in a while to be yeah. interesting. Like he, I think he would wear very thin if he was in every episode, but oh you yeah. Know, yeah, every like you know ten fifteen episodes, if Bubba shows up, I'm fine with that. I think he was a later addition to the show as well. Second season, I believe. Yeah, yeah, and uh, have we left any of the villains out? Or heroes or villains we need to talk about? I think we've gotten to most of them. Uh, we got maybe Goldie is worth mentioning. Oh, sure, yeah, we should talk about uh, Scrooge's past here. Yeah, about like that he, you know, he's not just some bachelor for life. He actually had a love life at one point. Yeah, she, she, he meets her in the Klondike when he's still like panning for gold out there. And I forget, why did they not, if you remember, why they didn't get together, ultimately? And... Best of my memory is that uh, they wound up choosing, like, she, she had to choose adventure over him or, or money over him or something like that. And it was there that I met Glittering Goldie, the greediest gal in the Klondike. I'm just a poor girl, bashful and shy, honest and truthful, I can't tell a lie. My needs are quite simple, they're modest and small, just listen while I tell you all. Yeah. Don't care for diamonds, rubies or pearls, don't care for fur coats like some other girls. Just give me 
be the one thing that's easy to spend. Gold nuggets are my own best friend. Yeah, gold nuggets are my truest friend. Oh, I love that song. Yeah. Now there's a gal with good sense. Yeah, and they do bring her back, I think, every once in a while. To, yeah, so he, they show he has a heart. He's not yeah. Mr. Burns. No, yeah. Yeah, you're right. She's in the mix. Just such a, like, a fun kind of whirlwind of a show. It does have... Okay, so do, do you think this is the best theme song, TV theme song of all time? Because I think this it's, has to be I in mean, the mix. It's got to be up there, right? Yeah. Definitely top five. Maybe number one. Maybe number one. Hundred percent. Yeah. I you know, I was thinking about this because we did a Golden Girls episode a while ago, and that's a great theme song. Sure. Uh you know, everybody likes Friends, I'll be there for you. That's sure Cheers. Cheers is a memorable one. Say Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles probably had a pretty memorable one. Yeah, there's a lot of memorable ones. I, I struggle to think of one that's better than this though. It's so good. I, I, I got to give it to DuckTales until, unless we think of something better because I, I it's uh, like, I mean, you hear the first two notes and you're already shaking your tail feather. You hear that bass just like, boom, 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 you know what it is. You're, you know, it, it, you immediately recognize it. And it just that, woo, that, the, putting that in there, like, it's something to kind of sing along to even if you don't know the words. Yeah. And uh, yeah, there are and more you, verses to the song too. If you've ever heard them, they, it doesn't feel right. Like it should be sixty-eight seconds long or whatever yeah. it is. Like that's that's the correct yeah. song. Yeah, uh, I don't know those other verses. Uh, I'm, I don't. I don't need to know those other verses. But the, these sixty-eight seconds are, and this verse doesn't make a lick of sense. Like when you read out the lyrics, uh, and I've you know seen many stand-ups and sketch like kind of you know break this down and and kind of show the humor behind it it's like life is like a hurricane this in duck you're like it might solve a mystery or rewrite like all these things like it doesn't really make sense and you're like i don't care i do not care one iota if it was written in swedish and mistranslated i'm just gonna sing these wonderful words yeah they got out their rhyming dictionary (laughs) They, they got it to rhyme mission accomplished like that's it the other thing that was like when for a long time when I was a kid, I couldn't figure out. So at the end, it goes not um, not ponytails or cotton tails. And already, again, weird line. Yeah. But the cotton tails part, because I couldn't figure out, again, because the, like the substance of it didn't make a lot of sense. I never could make out what the guy was saying as a kid. So I was, I was like, or goddamn tails. Not <laughs> ponytails or goddamn tails. I'm like, what? That can't be right. That's not what it is. It's a Disney cartoon. But yeah, it took me years to be like, oh, cottontails. Okay. Sure. Yeah, they're I, not rabbits. <laughs> I don't think I knew that until like this moment. So <laughs> Yeah, like, you love you've heard that song sense. you've heard it a million times, you've sung it a million times, you still don't even know what the words are. Yep. DuckTales. Uh, <laughs> it just goes to show you that we clearly don't need to know the lyrics to sing a song is just really, really, really great. Yeah. Uh, fair point. I, uh, I'm trying to think of, uh, like a a couple of memorable episodes here. If you want to focus on it, like you've been watching them lately. So are there some that stand out in your mind of like, Oh, we got to talk about this one. 
Um, well, I watched, yeah, I, we've kind of covered all the ones I talked about. The first five arc, uh, the magic dime, you know, where, uh, well, I'll say one thing that, uh, you know, it's, it's hard for me to just talk about this one because I did last year go through the whole reboot series and, you know, they would take same episodes and maybe do a little twist on them. So my memory is not always like which one was the 2017 versus which one was the 87. That's interesting. I didn't realize they tried to like redo some of the old episodes plots in the 2017 one as well oh absolutely yeah so like for example i was uh last one i watched before we got on to record was uh magic of dispel made her shadow like come alive and could separate from her to try and steal his dime and in the 2017 version they took that and they made the shadow a whole character that like eventually came to life and became like a real thing. And like, they took that, that thing and, and spun with it. So that's really cool. I did enjoy uh, the parts of the uh, reboot series. I saw, I haven't seen a ton of it, but I thought it's well-made it's well put together. It doesn't feel quite like DuckTales to me. Sure. And I think maybe it's a little too postmodern and snarky yeah. uh, for, for its own good. Uh, so it's enter- it is entertaining, but I think it's just it's a different animal yeah. than the original series is. Did you ever see Treasures of the Was it the Treasure of the Lost Lamp, the movie they did? I I I'm sure I did as a kid, and I actually tried to rewatch it randomly just like a year or two ago, and I kind of got bored. <laughs> I didn't watch <laughs> I, the whole thing. <laughs> yeah, it's not great. Well, one thing in it is is odd is so the the plot of it centers around a magic lamp and a genie. Mm-hmm. who is voiced by Rip Taylor, I believe. Why not? Uh, <laughs> yeah, and uh, it's odd because this came out in the early 90s. I can't remember if this came out. It must have come out before Aladdin, but mm-hmm. not much. So it's very weird that you get this Disney movie, this animated Disney movie, that's all about we got to, you know, who's in control of the lamp, who gets to make the wishes, and, of course, somebody's got to wish the genie free at the end. Las Vegas must be someplace if Caesar moved his palace there. What are you doing? Huh? Catching up on the 20th century. You read the whole encyclopedia? Uh-huh. From cover to cover to cover to cover to cover to cover. What's this? A baseball? Bowling ball? Cinderella's ball? <laughs> no. It's a globe of the earth. Get back. You mean the earth isn't flat? I must have missed that part. Boy, he has been in that lamp a long time. I gotta check this out. Sure. It, it's, you know, they must have been working on Aladdin by that point. Yeah, did they not let the animators talk to each other? You're working on a magic lamp story, too? You you not gonna believe this. <laughs> well, I know the DuckTales movie, so when people do the, like, you know, this is the 60th Disney animated classic, right? Encanto mm-hmm. is the 60th movie. This DuckTales movie is not included in the official count. Oh, interesting. And the reason is it was actually done by a different animation studio that this like satellite studio of Disney's, I think mostly in uh, in France, Hmm. worked on it. So it's not technically considered a Walt Disney Animation Studios movie, even though it's, you know, obviously done by Disney with Disney characters and and all of that. But uh, it it did not, as I recall, for, for whatever reason, it didn't do well in the theaters. And, uh, which is surprising to me, given the enormous fandom for the show. Yeah. Yeah, I, 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 that's interesting. You know, back in those days, taking a TV show and turning it into a movie, like, you know, when they did it with He-Man, 
You know, they took a cartoon and turned it live action. You know, obviously, trying to turn this into live action would have been insane. <laughs> but oh my god! Well, without CGI, you would have had them all looking like Howard the Duck. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> and it would have been a mess. That would have been terrible. Mess. So I'm glad they didn't try that. But at the same time, I could totally see why a young versions of us were like, well, we we watched this on TV. We don't really need to go see the movie. Yeah, I don't know. It seemed like the, the, the natural reaction would be, there's a movie? Oh, my God. I got to go see it. And I did see it in the theaters. And I still remember thinking at that time, like, eh, it's all right. <laughs> you know, it's like, it's like I, a, lo- a longish episode of the show that's like so-so. Yeah, I mean, if I saw it in the theaters, I don't remember it. But who knows? It is on Disney Plus, though. If you feel like checking it out, it is there, along yeah. with the original show. So, uh, wait, what, what, have, what have we missed? Oh, well, Darkwing Duck. We got to talk about Darkwing Duck for not just the fact that this this show was so popular, it had a direct spinoff, right? And, and a very odd spinoff too. That it, because, like you said, the only thing that technically carries over is Launchpad, and I think everyone, I think Gizmo Duck shows up once in. Darkwing Duck. He shows so up a few they, times in Darkwing. Does he? Okay, yeah. so they, they share a universe, but like Scrooge never shows up. You know, the, the nephews, I don't think, show no. up. No. I loved Darkwing Duck. I think it Same. was definitely, it had to be another, yet another byproduct of Batmania. Oh, yeah. Where, definitely. You know, because I remember it was marketed that way too, of just like, hey, you, you like Tim Burton's Batman. Yeah. Well, Disney's got one with cartoon ducks. And, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, I. I really like Darkwing Duck. I don't want to burn a, a possible. No, yeah, I don't want to burn Darkwing the whole thing. Itself. I just, it is yeah. worth like the idea of this. You know, they didn't do that with Tailspin or Rescue Rangers of having like a like. You know, when they made a new show, it was like a whole different universe. But this one, they were like, it's the same universe. We're not going to cross over too much, but it's the same basic rules. It's ducks and dogs and a few other animals. Yes, it's well, it's in a different part of the world because we're, we've gone from Duckburg to Saint Canard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If I want to watch a clown, I'll tune in a congressional hearing. But Gizmo Duck's cool. He's got real superpowers. Yes, and he seems to be such a, a, a polished professional. Polished professional? Please. Take him out of that tarnished wind-up suit, and what have you got? A uh, naked guy with goosebumps? It is a great show, though. And again, a very fun uh, rogues gallery Oh yeah, for that show yeah. as well. It, it was interesting, because like I feel like there's a handful of like great rogues galleries in fiction. You've got Batman, you've got Spider-Man and like DuckTales has one, Darkwing Duck mm-hmm. has one, but they're rare. It's hard to have that many villains kind of connect and work well. Yeah. Um, there's also a lot of neat, like one-off villains in DuckTales too. Like, do you remember the, uh, the episode where they go deep underground and there's these like rolling, uh, they look like kind of bowling pin shaped creatures yeah. i don't know what else to call it and they can like turn ball. into a ball and roll around and stuff yeah yeah like okay i guess underground there's this race of magical sort of weird people <laughs> yeah uh, they would just introduce this stuff and like yep it's fine they they went out into outer space they've gone you know they went the to mount olympus ocean. i believe there's a, my son uh who is into the show uh right now there's one that's uh all about this uh they take over the, scrooge buys a hotel it's like a castle like an old like decrepit castle that he's going to try and turn into a hotel that then appears to be haunted and it turns out to be this guy using invisibility paint to kind of uh you know bother the people. oh right 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 yeah 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 
Hotel Strange Duck, that episode is called. Nice. And, uh, yeah, ben, ben loves that one. The one I liked was uh, a sort of semi-similar one where they find the, um, I forget what they, like they, it's not Shakespeare, but it's whatever the duck-ish version of Shakespeare is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But they find his like lost play, and it turns out that the play is all about McDuck. Like that's the name of the play, and Scrooge is like, "Oh wow, there's a a play about my ancestors," and it starts out, and then it goes, "This is the tale of old McDuck who lied and cheated and ran amok, and it's all about what a piece of crap he was, yeah. his ancestors." <laughs> He's like, "We we have to bury this play. No one can see this," and I think they all, all the actors agree, like, "Yeah, it's actually not a good play. It's terrible. I'm like, we don't want to ruin Shakespeare's reputation by having anyone see this thing." So they they put it in the vault or something, so no one can ever see this thing again. There you go. But yeah, this this show did a really good job of of going everywhere, right? It went underwater, it went outer space, you know, Australia, like uh, South America, like it, if you pick any kind of exotic thinking sounding destination, and it would go there, and it would usually create a good villain to go along with that, uh, you know, setting. Right, even if it wasn't one of the like the standard rogues gallery, like they would give you a, a local villain, yeah, to to play off Scrooge. And you're right, it, it just felt like the writers were given kind of carte blanche to do these adventure stories, you know, you know, spin a globe, pick a place. And that's where we're going to go this week. Yeah. And as a kid that felt cool. If you felt like you were getting just a little hint of like, Oh, okay. When they're, they're showing me, you know, okay. They're encountering the abominable snowman in the Himalayas. Then, you know, we're, we're still learning kind of about where these places are in the world and famous cultural things that go with it. Yeah. Which uh, I think leads us in, well into going into the video game. I just was about to uh, to mention that. Yeah, DuckTales for the NES is probably one of the... I would say I mean, we're in the top ten of games Definitely. made for the Definitely. NES. Uh, did you have it as a kid? Oh yeah, 100%. It was right up there with Mega Man, Contra, Super Mario. Like All those games were right neck and neck for me. Yeah, developed by Capcom, who... Uh, made Mega Man. They've made many, many games since. And uh, Street you know, Fighter, partner- <laughs> Street Fighter. They had a partnership with Disney, and so they released several games. There's actually a second Ducktales game. I vividly remember getting this. I don't remember which birthday it was. It would have been. I'll have to look up when the game came out because it would have been, I guess, my birthday that year. Yeah. But I remember we had my birthday party at this uh, miniature golf course, uh, not too far from where I live now. And I remember being in this like room that you would rent for birthday parties and opening presents in there and cracking this open and going like, there's a DuckTales game and it's mine. <laughs> um, and, you know, I just being very excited about it and then getting it home and at first being very flummoxed by it. Yeah. Because it does not control the way that say like Mario control that had a very yeah. different like control scheme that it was built around. Yeah, mainly about something that is not at all in the show, uh, or at least not that I recall. You know, him bouncing off of his cane like a pogo stick kind of thing. Yeah, had this gimmick where, like, so Mario, for example, you would jump, and if you just landed on an enemy, you would kill it. That's what Mario does. He crushes things to death with his immense weight. (laughs) Um, Scrooge, when you would jump, if you jumped on an enemy normally, you would get hurt by touching it. Here you would have to like make a conscious effort to hold down as you jump, which would cause Scrooge to jump with his pogo stick downward, which you know would the force of that would kill an enemy. But you would bounce off, and there were segments of the game where you would have to kind of 
get this pug going going continuously over a long stretch. Yeah. And then you could also, uh, up against certain objects, you could hit it kind of like a golf club with your cane, and it would, like, fly up and knock down an enemy or something like that. Yeah. And what was cool about the game, you, the reason you, you were sort of leading into it was this globe-trotting element yeah. is there, that you've got these five different stages, four of them on Earth, one on the moon, and you would go into them, but you wouldn't necessarily just beat them one, two, three, four, five, because each one might have certain things where you would get something in one stage that you could use in another. So you would make your way back and forth between them, kind of finding all of these little hidden passageways and secrets and uh, and interacting with a large number of the, the memorable cast along the way. Yeah, which was very much Mega Man, right? Like you go, you went to a level, but then you could go back to it and find new things and stuff like that. Uh, but, you know, it was Mega Man done with the skin of DuckTales, which was like, yeah, you took a, 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 a game gaming device that we already knew we loved and then gave it to us with these characters that we also love. And of course the theme song, the theme songs in there, the, the music for the DuckTales game is I think some of the best on the NES in particular, people will point to the theme for the moon level yeah. as this is an all time banger. Uh, and it is. Yeah. Um, pad you can find in various places where he will like take you to like a bonus flying level yeah where you're collecting gems and stuff yeah and the game was so popular that they just you know remade it like pretty much frame for frame but with better graphics and sound and stuff years later for the xbox and the, P and the playstation yeah we're talking like in the in the aughts they they redid yeah. it or, or early 2010s and when they did it not only did they remake it with you know very you know pretty cells uh, animation that looks like the show rather than yeah. you know, blocky pixels they brought back the voice cast including Alan Young to do voices where obviously the NES would just have text yeah and that was really cool to go like alright I'm playing I'm playing DuckTales and I'm getting to hear all of my my buddies from 1989 here with me to do it yeah you know, of of all the shows, you know, a lot of there were a lot of hit shows. There were a lot of hit video games. Uh, the, this had both one of the best cartoon shows and one of the best video games. That was hard to do. Well, not just hard to do because, like, notoriously, tie-in video games are usually garbage. Yeah. You know, uh, you know, by and large, it's like, oh, we're not just making a game where you do something fun. We we have to take this popular show or movie, and we have to make a game with the same name and characters and do it. Yeah. <laughs> and it doesn't have to be garbage, but for some reason it took a long time for licensed games to get consistently good. And I think they're still not on the whole consistently good. Um, but the batting average is much higher today than it was back then when it was really like, yeah, yeah, whatever. 
uh, you know, give these kids something uh, where they can jump on some shit. Yeah. <laughs> you know, done. Um, no, the DuckTales game was, I think, actually, they made a bunch of, so you can buy this. You can buy this collection now of these Disney Afternoon Capcom games. Yeah. This is this was the first one, and I think it remains the best one. Yeah, and I did like the Chippendales game. It was it was not bad, but it was not near. I mean, it was this was number one by far. This one still holds up. Yeah. Like you can go back to it and play this now and go like this is this is a lot of fun. The rest of them are all sort of like yeah, all right, you know, that's fine. yeah, kind of forgettable. Um, yeah. Now, have I, I I recommended this to you? Have you ever played Shovel Knight? No, I haven't. Um, I I took a recommendation. I wrote it down. I'll I'll look into it, but I haven't heard of it. Mm-hmm. The reason I mention it is so Shovel Knight is it came out I want to say in twenty somewhere in the mid twenty tens. Mm-hmm. Um, Shovel Knight is a throwback game, so it looks sort of like the way NES games look. But the reason I mention it is because it has that pogo mechanic ah. as a big part of the game, and it's like it's it's even like tighter and like more responsive than you remember. So it's it, it and uh, an even better soundtrack. Than DuckTales. The soundtrack to Shovel Knight is, is par excellence. Um, but we should get back to DuckTales itself. Um, so we've sort of gone around the horn here. We've talked about the show, the movie, the game. Uh, is there anything else about DuckTales you know you want to talk about? Because I think we should be we should talk about you know why why is it that you know th- this thing was beloved enough to warrant a 2017 reboot? You know th- this is something that just looms so large in all of our childhoods. And as you said, like, you know, you you mentioned DuckTales now, again, to people in a certain age category, and it will almost always, with certain outlier exceptions, uh, <laughs> it will almost always land of like, oh, I love DuckTales, right? Like, it's it's one of those that, j- it's not people went, oh, I remember that show. They, like, have a visceral emotional reaction. Right. It's not just, yeah, I remember that fondly. It's like, I loved DuckTales, right? Yeah. That was... And I don't know if it's because of like you know running home to see that Disney after uh, Disney afternoon lineup of shows, because I certainly remember like I get home from school, I do my homework, and then yeah, it's time for this run of great animation. Yeah. Um, so there's definitely that connection. But I remember like if, if I was over at someone else's house in the afternoon, and it's like, hey, we're going to watch TV, there was no dis- disagreement of like, oh no, it's Ducktales. Sure. Yeah. I, you know, and I, like with anything that's a major hit, you, you can always guess why. There's no reason, you know, we'll, we'll never know for sure. But, I mean, the theme song was amazing. The voice acting was fantastic. And I don't think we talked about this yet, but uh, the animation style that they, they put higher quality animation in this show on television than had been done in a lot of the animation stuff that was popular in the 80s, like He-Man or Transformers, like that was a little more, less quality. <laughs> yeah, there's less fluidity to that stuff. That a lot of that stuff was made by um companies like Deke and Saban who I again uh, we did a the Mysterious Cities of Gold episode that was them. Um but that stuff from the early 80s like it was very like you know the 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 acronym for Deke it's a company called DIC. The joke was that it stood for do it cheaply. Yeah. <laughs> but but Disney even though Disney is this, you know, 500 pound gorilla of animation in the 80s they were struggling really hard. Yeah. They were they were having this they had this string of failures. I think, you know, Walt Disney died I think in the early 60s. And the last movie that he had any significant involvement with before he passed was The Jungle Book. Mm. And 
by the time you get up to like the eighties, you're getting up to, you know, the black cauldron yeah, and Oliver and company and the great mouse detective. And these, these like movies that like, the Fox and the hound that are like, you know, just they're like fine at best. Yeah. You know, there's, there's, I think the only movie sort of between the jungle book for the most part. And when they kind of finally got out, got themselves out of it with the little mermaid, I think Robin hood is pretty fine. Yeah. Um, that one's good, but even that movie, like notably, recycles a lot of animation from their old movies. Like there's bits with Maid Marian dancing, and it's literally this frame for frame Snow White. You know, they just took it over. Um, yeah. So Disney, so Disney in the '80s was not the like safe bet that it is now. Yeah, it was almost like a has been company, or certainly struggling. Yeah, I mean they struggling, were sort of. Yeah. Right, they had their old IP, you know, they probably weren't going anywhere, but they, they needed something to find themselves. So the fact that they kind of mustered together, and this must have been Michael Eisner pushing this, you know, saying we've got to, we've got to get something onto TV as well as in the movies. We have to dominate this, you know, the small screen. Yeah. And their plan worked, I think, beautifully. Yeah. Uh, it's, you know, again, Gummy Bears was fine. Nothing wrong with it, but uh, but man, when they came out with DuckTales, just everything worked from the music to the acting to the animation, and uh, there was something I you could get I could guess at the psychology of our you know kids' age of like you've got this you know paternal figure who's it got infinite resources and cares for his kids and allows them to go on these adventures back in a time in the eighties when a lot of us had helicopter parents or parents, you know, like where latchkey kids had to come home alone, you know, stuff like that. And so the answer to all our problems was if Scrooge McDuck was our uncle, we could do whatever we wanted. Yeah, you're right. The fantasy for Huey, Dewey and Louie, uh, you know, they, they quickly realized like, Oh, we can, we can do whatever we want. But Scrooge is willing to take them on these globetrotting adventures most of the time. And if he's yeah. not, they stow away. Yeah. They, I'm glad they have Huey, Dewey and Louie in there as like the kid audience surrogate. Yeah. To kind of just bring you in and say like, you know, yeah, we're, we're going on the adventure of a lifetime because you have rich uncle Scrooge to make it happen. Yeah. Um, I hadn't thought of it that way, but I think that is a really, you know, astute point that like, that's a big part of the kid fantasy. Yeah, I, I um, I, were you into scouts at all or anything growing up? I did a little of it, but not much. But are you, were you in the junior woodchucks? Uh... I, I didn't do any scouts myself. But like the only thing about that whole life that I ever thought appealing was to be a junior woodchuck and have the guidebook, right? Because that guidebook was basically their deus machina whenever they needed to get out of a problem. We could look it up in the, the Junior Woodchuck guidebook and would always have the answer. Right, how to make uh, you know, a compass or whatever they needed to do Sure, uh, was in there. Even Doofus, their, their buddy <laughs> Doofus, could man- manage his way through the Junior Woodchuck guidebook. Yeah. Rich, any, uh, any closing thoughts on DuckTales here as we kind of round into the end? Uh, just, you know, it's, uh, if, if you haven't rewatched it in a while, um, maybe just put in that first episode and, and you'll feel that magic again. You know, I have to say, uh, watching this with my son has been a real treat. It's always really fun when they, they, you know, I can show them something from my youth and they light up the way I, I did with it. 
And the only reason Ben liked it, I've been as we've been sitting here, I've been drinking out of this DuckTales mug yeah. that I have. My son saw me with that mug, which is what made him want to watch the show because, you know, he, he was three. That's how their minds work. Sure. Um, but he, you know, he'll, he'll fairly frequently say he wants to watch DuckTales. And my daughter, Celeste, has no interest. I haven't been able to get her to do it. But there's something about this show that... I think because the the kids get to range so far and wide in what the adventures are and it the show feels safe. It's this feeling of like I get to go do all this amazing stuff and, and nothing bad could happen. You know, the, the bad guys are, you know, never gonna have any chance of, of winning, you know, and it just it feels uh that that's what you want as a kid, right? Is to feel safe and secure. Yeah. And also the freedom as well like secure right. but also f- free to do whatever you want right i can do whatever i want and there will be no consequences that, that was, was what we all wanted it might still be what we want <laughs> yeah that's a great place to to close it rich uh if people want to find you where can they find you www.richbakercoaching.com will get you to all my links you can follow me at rich baker coaching on facebook or instagram i teach uh improv classes that are accessible from people who've never done improv before to people who've done improv for years you'll find something of value in my classes the first one is free to check it out please take me up on that i got five classes a week free drop in just send me a message and we'll slide you on in and if you like this show, please go to wherever you found it, drop it a nice review. Um, we'll read that on the show. If you have feedback, uh, the best place to send that is to find us on Twitter at NostalgiumPod or uh, over on Instagram where there as well. Just send us a message. And uh, if you have thoughts on this episode, if you have thoughts on our recent ones, which include uh, Say by the Bell and uh, Mysterious Cities of Gold, or our upcoming episodes on Masters of the Universe, the, again, the film, not the cartoon. And uh, what else we got in the mix? Oh, My So-Called Life. That's coming up. Ooh. As well as uh, Rugrats is also in the in the mix. Uh, wow. On that soon. So lots of good stuff uh, coming down the pike. A lot of uh, irons in the fire. And I'm really excited to, to revisit all this stuff. Uh, so, uh, Rich, as always, again, thanks for dropping by. Thanks for having me, my man. All right, and until uh, next time, that is one more entry in the Nostalgian Arcane. Okay, everybody just calm down. We're not going to go crazy spending our winnings, and we're not going to let this money change us. What are you talking about? This money is our ticket to the good life, starting now. I just bought a giant room full of gold coins, and I'm going to dive into it like Scrooge McDuck. <laughs> ah! It's not a liquid! It's a great many pieces of solid matter that form a hard floor-like surface. Ah!